Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the weekly UTH podcast. I am Chad Parsons, highlighting some of the content from UTHDynasty.com, Patreon as well. But I want to start with some of the big dynasty weaknesses out there. This is the High Impact series. And giving a little sneak peek of some of the content you would see here on the UTH premium side. First off, I wanted to highlight Nick uh, responding to this question on, on Twitter. What's some of your dynasty weaknesses? And he, and he says, finding a middle ground in trade negotiations. This is a tough one where you get someone engaged. It could be an offer sent to you. It could be something that you sent. There's a counter offer. But now you have two data points. You have the first trade proposal, which could be one of your sides. And then you have maybe another, or you're thinking about what is the middle ground from what you would like versus what they have sent. And negotiations are tough. I I think a lot of times people take them very personally, where I'm thinking back to maybe, you know, you think you're underpaid at work and they don't want to give you one more penny. You know, that's, that's very personal. You, You think you're worth more and they think, to, to some degree, business-wise or company-wise uh, for their, their financial situation that you're not or that you're replaceable or you should just keep your mouth shut and work for the, the amount you're being paid. And I think in dynasty trading, I think it's a lot less personal. This is sort of like haggling when you're at uh, a flea market where you have an asset, they have an asset. Maybe neither one of you wants that asset and you're just trying to find out what's the middle ground for you to get what you want uh, or get rid of what you don't want and the same thing on their side. And so I think this is actually one of the easier fixes in terms of finding a middle ground because to me it's a math equation where you know the two sides, you have X, you have side Y and it's bridging the gap. I would say this, The first thing is knowing when you're able to bridge the gap and when you're not. And this takes a lot of experience. This takes a lot of reps and just being able to have a good working knowledge of what it takes to bridge a gap. And you can quickly, the more reps you you get at this, the more you can see if it's workable from the the get-go. And I would say you have a lot of latitude for being able to find a middle ground because you have probably multiple assets in, in a typical trade that there's something on your side, something on their side. And what I would say is you need to keep some commonality in a counter offer. So you don't want to change everything. Like if I send a trade offer of a future first for Chris Godwin, that other person should not change it to be like, well, give me a second and it's for, uh, it's for George Pickens. Like that's a completely different trade. You should keep something the same. In that example, they should either send it in return where I'm getting a first, you wanted to send your first, but instead of Chris Godwin, how about I give you player X? Or you keep Chris Godwin in there and you say, well, it's gonna cost a first and a second or a first and a player. So you're keeping the commonality of, are you buying this or are you selling, or am I selling this? So finding that motivation or finding, you know, what's the real, what's the real motivation of the deal, I think it's the first most important point because until you find that, you know, if a player sends you, uh, here, here's a player plus a pick for another player. Well, are you, is your motivation buying this or selling what you have? 
it can't be truly 50-50. It has to be more one than the other. And once you find that out, it's far easier to know how far you're willing to go or they are willing to go to get a deal done and what side you need to adjust more than the others. So again, if you're far off, you know, if you send an offer of, I want to give you a third round pick for this running back and they come back with a first round pick, well, that's a huge gap to, to bridge and to connect for a deal. You might think it's a second rounder, but you offered a third and a third to a second is a decent gap and a first to a second is a decent gap of, uh, of compromise on both sides, unlikely to get it done. The other part uh, to this of finding a middle ground is using rookie picks. I think that is the common cur- currency where players are fickle. It's tough to get a deal done by bridging the gap with picks, uh, excuse me, with players, in my opinion, just because you have to find the up. There might be many players on either roster. The other person is just plainly not interested. I mean, yes, they would take them. Yes, they're worth a roster spot. Yes, they might give a late pick. But in general, they don't put much value on them or utility for their own team or it upgrades anything that they have at the position but using picks can be you know you have a deal basically done or you feel like it's a gap you can close and hey i'll give you a third round pick or i'll move my second back to a third these are the types of things that can really grease the wheels and finish off a deal and if it's a huge deal it might be where you or the other party is willing to add a first to get a deal done for an impact player at a specific spot. Um, another one is add, and this is more specific to the audience I'm, I'm speaking to and, and to Nick and to others, that in general, add to your side to get what you want. Don't take away from your side. Let's say your motivation is, I want to get this stud wide receiver. I want to get this stud quarterback. And instead of Oh, well, instead of Justin Jefferson, I'll move it down to A.J. Brown and keep kind of what you are offering. Don't do that. Add to it to get Justin Jefferson if that's what you're going after. And they actually counteroffered. Try to get exactly what you want. And if it means you add a pick, if it means you add another player, get it done. Um, So that's one of my favorite negotiation tactics in that a lot of people cave on what they're getting. Instead, make them cave by just adding more, adding more uh, nickels and dimes to the deal to see if that can finalize something and you'll be a happy camper and they're feeling like they're getting extra too because they started at one point and you added to the deal before it was finalized. Uh, second one this week in terms of dynasty weaknesses to analyze and this is from Austin getting other dynasty GMs to negotiate. So this is a it can be a very tough and frustrating situation. I would say first of all evaluate the situation. Are the offers that you're sending expiring? Are they rejected with no counter? Are they rejected with no counter and no comments? So these are three different scenarios. If the offers are expiring, that's not on you. That is a league that is relatively dormant. Maybe that's going to change closer to or in season. But that's one where, again, you just, you're knocking on doors and no one's answering at all. So that is the worst scenario, that the offers are just sitting out there, and after a week or however long, they expire and just turn into a void trade. And you don't even know if they were, they were, they were seen or thought of at all. The next part, if they're rejected with no counter, that probably means one of two things. First of all, it's a situation that they are not interested at all, and... They don't really feel, some owners, I've, I've encountered this, that they don't really feel it's their job to come up with a counteroffer. They didn't, they're not being proactive with dynasty trading 
And so if you don't send something that's close or they want to accept right away, then they don't, they don't want to be given a to-do list item of, it's not my job to make a counteroffer. You should just send another one. It's like, nope. And you just put that rubber stamp on it. Try again. Like that's sort of the feel of that. And then if it's rejected with no counter and no comments, again, comments are really helpful because it means they're engaging. Even if they say, you know, I'm going to hold on to player X, you know, thanks for the offer. That's at least something. They're at least engaged. And you can actually ask. One thing I've started doing is in that situation, ask, you know, how about a counter offer for the player or the pick or whatever, whatever your motivation in that or whatever you're buying or selling, whatever your motivation is, ask for a counter offer. And sometimes you'll get it. Sometimes you'll you'll start a dialogue, and all those are positives um, in terms of engaging with your other league mate. So in these settings, rejections at least that is a response of some sort. And if you get a comment, even if it's one you particularly don't like, at least that is interaction as well. So again, appreciate those when you get them because plenty of the time. The worst case is just falling on deaf ears. You make offers and they are ultimately just expiring on the site. Here are some pivots in these situations. It's tough getting GMs to negotiate. Get more aggressive. Um, if you need to make a move, say it's a rebalancing move, you're filling a need, you are uh, really hoping for this specific player, you really can't go elsewhere across your dynasty league to maybe a more active owner or a more responsive owner, then be more aggressive because... You, that, that other owner and team, they may look at the offer one time from you, they're not going to counter, and they may not look all that often in the off season or some of these drier months. So knowing all of that, you kind of have to put your best foot forward. You may have to overpay, but it's an audience of one. You know, you may be looking for Jamar Chase. He may, he's on one team and you can't really look elsewhere if you're looking for something specific. I'm trying to make an offer for Josh Allen. Well, he's on one team. <laughs> so uh, that's that's where you might have to overpay to get their attention even. So just know that that may be one of your pivots. Next one, hope they wake up uh, or are more active closer or during the season. And this is one where we see it all the time, especially trading technically in di most dynasty leagues open January, February, but it may not be until closer to the NFL draft. You might have NFL free agency that wakes folks up a little bit. It may be rookie draft time that people wake up. But after that, could go quiet all the way until August or even September. And so you may have to just reassess or knock on those doors again when there is a more active period globally for your league, even the most dormant of, of teams. Because guess what? They're going to at least be on there, you would think for the waiver wire. They would at least be on there once or twice a week to set their lineup, hopefully. Otherwise, they're not gonna be in the league very long. They're not paying any attention to their teams. So if you can at least get their attention, they have those pop-ups on a lot of sites saying, you have a trade, and you need to make sure you optimize that with multiple offers. And um, and the other part, so that kind of blends together with my final point on this, which is make sure to engage with more offers for those who do engage with the, the counter offers, the comments, and send more than one offer at a time because blending together with what I previously said, that you may get one look. Uh, and that might be a random week three. It might be in August. It might be now in, in the, the off season, if you will, with not a whole lot going on. So they might not check in all the time. We don't even know if they have uh, email notifications on. 
but just if they you have the opportunity to be in front of them, it's almost like make sure you give them a business card or an elevator pitch or you shake their hand, you introduce yourself. You may not get five chances <laughs> on this. You may get one chance. So you kind of need to make a, a first impression, a good one uh, that, okay, well, if they go in there and they do see my trades, let's make sure it's not one offer and it's like a low ball, like, ooh, I hope they I bait them into a counter. Let's make sure that you send two or three of them and you actually get their attention to potentially get an acceptance or a counter offer out of it. All right, last one here, and this is from Sage of Monticello. And he says, trading for want versus trading for need is a big weakness here. And this is actually, could be not even a problem is what I would say. Now, depending on how far out there you go, because my, my biggest point is you should have players you like and want on your team. If you take over an orphan, sometimes you're looking for good bones. Sometimes you're looking for assets that you can trade, parlay into other things that you want a little bit more. Now, I'll say when it does become a negative is when it takes away from your starting lineup, it could be a problem. And so, you know, if you really want this quarterback, but you're like, it's a start one, he'd be my third quarterback, and I'm taking away from wide receiver and start three, this takes away one of my top two or three guys. So you're really building on a strength that it's not even a positional premium for the format, and you're taking away what might be a more premium position just to get a player you like, yes, you know, a, a, a want, a, a wish list item, like you're a kid going through the, uh, the, the Christmas catalog, yeah, that could absolutely be a problem. I would say another part is, are you significantly moving down in roster value or uh, lineup value to serve your wants? So that that's kind of my example previously. If you can, if you can get some of the players you want, and you're in a position to do that, and not take away overtly from your lineup or roster value, then I think it's workable. You you kind of need to find that negotiation point with yourself of what part of your lineup, what part of your team, and and total value and total attention is going towards your wants. And this is my favorite rookie. I gotta get him. You know, so trading up to a point to be aggressive, but yet again, within reason, it is that real balancing or equilibrium point. I will say this, if you're a loaded dynasty roster, and this is maybe five to 10% of overall dynasty teams, I would say plenty of leagues have one of these, maybe not every league does. So it could be, uh, again, that's why I said five to 10%. Maybe one, there's one per league, maybe there's a, a few t a few leagues that are top heavy and have two teams like this, but it might be across a couple different leagues before you say, oh, that's a, that's a huge loaded roster. Then you have more latitude on this type of trading, occasionally within reason where you can just go buy a guy. You say, I really want this guy. And hopefully what you want are elite players, elite producers, elite assets, and you're consolidating to overpay and go out and get them. But uh, again, we always say, you know, trading for want versus trading for need. We say draft, you know, draft the best player, you know, draft the best players. And then you trade for need uh, is the common adage because you don't want to waste your rookie dollars uh, through through trading. And I've always said you need to explore the veteran market. But man, if you're actually drafting the rookie, it's got to be the best player, got to be the best player on the board. And then if it uh, doesn't align with need, then you work that at a later date through trading. Wanted to mention a few things and highlight the UTH trade calculator because 16, I, I counted today, 16 of the custom formats built into the trade calculator have some form of tight end premium. And most of the, I would say probably these days, 90% of the requests I get 
for custom draft boards. And if you sign up for at least three months at UTH Trade Calculator, you get a f custom draft board whenever you have a startup draft. Heck, even if you have a, a, a strange format in uh, a rookie draft setting, you could get uh, you can get a custom rookie board for that this uh, in existing leagues as well. So the concierge service, not only are you using the trade calculator on the site, and like I mentioned, 90 plus percent of the requests I get for these boards are some form of tight end premium. And yeah, other sites might have, oh, this is 1.5 PPR. Oh, this is two PPR. Uh, this is start two. You may have options like that on other sites. However, what if you get in a 14 teamer with start two tight ends and premium scoring? Good luck. Good luck finding that. Good luck doing the razzmatazz math on, on getting those custom-built values for your format. UTH has them. We're ready to go. Um, and so that's one of the key features. We are moving in that direction. I always like to be forward-thinking. There's not a ton. There still are, but not as many one-quarterback formats in the trade calculator because that's not where we're moving. We're getting a lot of super flex. We're getting a lot of tight end premium iterations out there. And I've got a few that are point per carry there for the, the scoring as well. So that custom nature, and, and guess what? If it doesn't exactly fit one of them, just ask me, and it can be on the, the wish list for adding to the trade calculator at the future moment. But we can also build you a startup board that can get you on the right foot, get you in the top one, two, three teams of your startup draft right from the get-go uh, just by having custom-built values for your format, all the twists and turns, the tiered PPR. Uh, the, I had one the other day. It was 0.33 point per carry. I've never seen one that high. So I find the closest format for you, and I custom build it, adapt positional premiums so that you have the most accurate values to initially build your team possible. Some of the recent for uh, premium shows over at UTH Dynasty. Again, this is a free edition you get every single week, but the premium is where you want to be for podcasting. Going to eclipse over 300 shows this year. It's not even going to be a competitive point. Doing a lot of concise shows, five to 10 minutes. So whether you're on your way to work and it's a short commute, heck, if you're commuting from your bedroom to your living room because you work from home, you can probably do it while brushing your teeth, getting dressed, and boom, listen to a whole show. And uh, now starting micro comps, putting a lot of different information in for wide receivers and I'm only covering players that are UTH buy or sells so I, I'm going over the why on these players on why UTH is above or below the market so you're getting that coming out here in late June early July also wanted to highlight one of their series startup draft series if you have not uh, heard one of these for UTH before what you're going to get is a two-prong attack uh, did one with UTH superfan and we, we actually co-own I think three leagues now something like that something in the range of three. Uh, we've done two off-season startups this in 2023. And so Ryan and I go through our war room, 45 minutes or so. We talk about our plan of attack as before we get started in the draft. It's super flex. And we talk about players. We talk about team building. We talk about a lot about dynasty trading. And then you're going to get about an hour Dynasty Startup Draft Interrogation Room. And now you're going to hear what actually happened with the trades we made, the team we built, uh, and all the machinations that go into it. So that series has been published over the past week. So about an hour and a half, you can just get geeky with, with living vicariously through our experience. And if you have a Dynasty Startup Draft coming up, whether it's that exact format or not, you're going to get so many tools to implement in your own league. So that's all available. Those types of content, you know, all the micro comps for 
more wide receivers that again are targets or avoids at their price point currently versus the market for UTH, you're going to get that dynasty startup interrogation room and war room series, as well as the transparency of I, I go through all my UTH trading about 15 minutes of recent ones. So you get the backstory, you get the why, you get player targets, uh, you get price points, you get all of that as well as I go through a rookie auction interrogation room in the past <clears throat> week as well where uh, you have a budget and now you're buying players as opposed to drafting players. So a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, macro information and micro, micro strategy for uh, the rookie board and doing that through the auction format. Thanks so much for listening this week. Try out UTH premium content. I mentioned the trade calculator. You sign up as GM plus. You're going to get all the shows that I just mentioned, plus the whole back catalog connected to any podcasting device you want. It's also available on the website. If you do a little more old school, I'm on my laptop on a, on a desktop, you know, those types of venues. You can also listen to the shows in that form from the website or download it directly. Always an option there. But Money-back guarantee, no reason not to try it. Get prepped. Have your best dynasty season yet in 2023. I'm Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle. Refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties.